up for nothing under the soil in the earth Breaking through the rocks, growing wild and tall Till the buds begin to pop Pack me in a bowl, or roll me in a split Or you're breaking me down, you can feel you Hey, this is Ryan Heron from Portland, Oregon, and... I'm Amanda Breeze, and I'm back in Toronto. And we're here to talk about all the fun stuff about one of our favorite plants, cannabis. Uh, today's episode, we're kind of recapping Amanda's trip here to Portland. We went to a, a ton of dispensaries, we smoked a bunch of weed, and uh, it's worth kind of digging into. Oh, Portland is 100% worth digging into because, holy shit, Portland... What the fuck? So much good weed. Honestly, what I I knew it, but then I was there and I was blown away. You know what? It is pretty cool. I think you showed up at like a good time because there is like a lot of like midsy corporate stuff um, on the shelf that you didn't look at. You didn't even like that's not on your radar. Uh, and then everything else is like the craft top tier, top shelf stuff that everyone is still like pouring their heart into um yeah some good stuff we got into some fun flavors not to mention ryan is a celebrity amongst the local dispos knowing him by his first name and all yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah let's look at your ideas of formality uh, I'm really yeah. showing us mids when i'm with the ryan Aaron. come on <laughs> right i, I should have used some of my influence um there was a couple of places that gave Amanda the stink eye for having the Canadian passport, which yeah. I thought was like not very inclusive dispensaries. Come on, um, you know, bring in everybody who's of legal age and wants to get down on a little herb. Yeah. And it was actually my lack of a passport. I had my driver's license. Oh, driver's license. Come on now. Just as I official. Know. If they're going to let me rent a car, but they won't let me buy some weed. I don't know. And we, it's, uh, it's, you never know which ID to bring when you go. And I went with the, I was holding both and I went with the driver's license because it's smaller and it was the wrong choice. So this is a important hot tip. If you, when you go to Portland, bring your freaking passport as a form of ID. If you're from out of state or out of the country, they are very strict about it. Right. You know what? I, I think. It's more just like the POS system that they use to scan IDs only accepts a handful of things. And so if it's someone who's like looking at the person, looking at the ID and letting you in, you're good to go. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I guess that's the whole thing, right? you got to have the proper paperwork when you're showing up. I had I had smoking spot stickers. What more do they need? <laughs> and to be fair, this was only like one of the jaunts we made for that. You you did come appropriately uh, identified uh, just, you know, on the one afternoon we tried to hit up a shop. This is uh, true. We did get to see a lot, though. We hit uh, five dispensaries. Um, yeah. And I saw one of the most epic things I've ever seen in a dispensary ever mind blown the bud tender probably thought i was nuts for how excited i was but they have little fans that they put on the top of the jar so that the air and the aroma blows into your face and because we don't do deli style here i was just like holy crap this is <laughs> so freaking cool yeah i mean 
it is kind of good too. Uh, I, okay, so several places that have adopted the fans. Um, Oregon was doing it best. They have like the fan that just fits perfectly over the jar and just hits you in the face with the no, with the the smell. And let's see, think here. Those are probably half pound jars that they're using. So for most people who have never had a half pound sitting in front of them, it's pretty. I mean spectacular to be like wow i'm i am straight up looking at like hundreds of grams of good herb right now this is true and like you know a lot of places will hold up the flashlight you can see the trichomes and i've always thought that was really fun but after i saw the fan i just think anything less is garbage i'm just not interested in any shop that doesn't have a scent fan to gently waft aromatics right into my face so seriously that, that was just i just have never seen that before i i just have not and it was the coolest thing for me so wow that's just one of the many exciting moments that happened in portland <laughs> <laughs> We're at an interesting time where um, we can kind of be in one area of town and hit up five or 10 shops and they all have their own unique character. Um, I made, I want to say I made sure. What I did was look at Amanda's list that she had made and be like, that one, that one, eh, we can skip this one, this one, and we don't have time to go to that one. Uh, but I made sure we hit up uh, Electric Lettuce which is kind of like a straight up like stoners out of the 70s, a uh, little chainlet here from Groundworks. Uh, and it's just a good example of like, okay, if you're going to go to like the 7-Eleven of weed, what's that look like? And I think it was one of the places where we had like a decent rapport with the bud tender and it was like a little micro shop on like a little flat iron space. And so it was just kind of cool to just pop in there. I had never been into that shop and kind of look at what was like almost like a little pre-roll spot. Well, Electric Lettuce caught my eye as soon as I got into Portland because they have that big sign. Electric Lettuce is a really cool name for a dispo. I just, it, their whole like aesthetic actually made me want to go in and be like, what do they have behind these doors? So that, and I'm using my Electric Lettuce lighter right now. If you give them five stars, which I did, they fucking deserved it. Um, you, if you rate them, you get a free lighter. I'm, I'm rocking it right now. So I, I walked away with some swag. And is that where I picked up? I think it was like a one-to-one -one CBD. It was called Cherry Something. Ah, yes. And but yes, that's where it was. Uh, they they are known to have some more like mixed cannabinoid ratio flowers, which I think is super handy. So uh, handy. Yeah. And, uh, and that one was like, yeah, I forget. Cherry Something. We don't have to know right now. All I know is it was a good time getting into it. Well, it was called Cherry Something, but before the person opened the jar, they, the bud tender, they said, oh, well, just so you know, it doesn't smell anything like cherries. It smells like banana bread. And I opened the jar and, or rather they did, and I smelled it and it was 100% banana bread. I kind of forgot because we bought a bunch of weed. And so like later in the week I was smoking it. And I was like, oh, this tastes so weird. Oh, what is this flavor? And then I remembered it freaking tasted like banana bread too. What the hell? It actually tasted like banana bread. It was so disturbing how accurate it was. 
Yeah. The fun thing about going to like five or six dispensaries in a day is you can be like the ultimate snob where you're going and you're like, bring me 10 jars. None of these are good. On to the next one. And so when we're at like the kind of chain spot that we're like, let's stop in and maybe get a beverage or something. And then they put something in your face. And you're like, oh, whoa, I'm not going to find that at the next two dispensaries we go to. So yeah, break me off a little piece of that because I do at least want to smoke the banana bread weed a little bit before I go. And you know what? I think um, I'm going to keep coming back to reasons, reasons why Portland is the weed mecca right now. And I say this in full confidence. As many of you know, I have been to many places to smoke the weed, to try the dispensaries, to check out the scene. I was so blown away by the selection. Every single dispensary had such a different selection of flavors and smells and cannabinoids. I was so wowed by it. And really, the difference in strains and smells made me feel like an amateur. Like I felt like I was walking at an amateur hour over here and entering, you know, the big kid zone of where the real smells are happening, where the real quality is happening um, and where strains are really being explored. Uh, one of the spots I went to was, what was it called? Like Arcadia or something? It was, like, it was archive. And archive. this is my home shop. I'm there. Like, you know, I'm terrible when it comes to buying shit in advance i just go oh I have, a, I have a taste for this and i just go and i stop there so i'm at archive like five days a week it's bad but it also means like they've got the quality shit and like when i walk in there they go oh we kind of know what ryan likes have you tried this have you tried that and i can get out of there very quickly oh my gosh but i'm so glad you got to check out that shop we weren't even together on that one you were just like oh and this place was on the way and i was like that's my favorite spot yeah that was on the list it had some interesting reviews and i was like oh i want to check it out and I got there um, with Mike, uh, my friend who's with me on this trip, and we walked up to the door and we were like, it smells like a musty basement. It smells like wet dirt. Why does it smell so weird here? And we walked in and they're checking our IDs. And I'm like, it looks like a basement. It smells like a basement. I was really weirded out. Like, what's the weed going to smell like? It's because they fucking sell plants there. They had a ton of clones. So they literally had wet dirt in the entrance because they had just water watered everything. So I was like, okay, this is this is much better. Man, um, this is perfect, though. <laughs> Electric Lettuce and Archive are like exact opposites yes right because electric lettuce a designer came in there and was like it's going to look like this and there's going to be neon here and this is where we'll like hang the ivy and archive is like fuck this is where the plugs are for the lamps that we can put over the clones like plug them in um so it's weird shaped like it definitely probably needs like an update to the interior if you care about that thing but who cares because the shelves are stocked with fire Okay, the shelves were stocked, stocked with absolute fire. So it's like, it's basically 420 here. So I'm ripping one right now. Um, so I was so impressed again, because they busted out. I was like, I'm looking for unique smells. What do you got? And I'm looking at the names. And we had already bought so much weed at this point because we had spent the day going to dispensaries. So I actually didn't want to buy anything. But I was like, I'm just going to go check out their selection. And they had a strain that they grow in-house. It's one of their house strains. And it was called Sweet Tea. Literally smelled like fucking Sweet Tea. Like, I think my new favorite thing is when the strain name perfectly matches the smell. 
Um, that is just my new thing. And just this week, um, I was asked what my favorite smells and flavors and my favorite strains are. And that's what I'm going with from now on. If the name matches the smell and the flavor, count me in. So sweet tea was so cool. And then they had another strain there, I think just called soap. And guess what it smelled like? It was soap. It smelled like soap. <laughs> yes. So I, I was actually confused with that one when it hit the shelves because Zope with a Z um, has been on shelves and it is like a Skittles leaning gelato-y kind of soapy cross. It's fun. I really like Zope. Um, and then when that came up and it was called the soap, I thought, okay, good. Somebody got rid of that like annoying Z. And the guy was like, no, it's entirely different. And you smell it and you're like, fuck, that smells like a bar of zest soap. Yeah, I know. The thing they make anymore. It was so crazy. Like, so I was just like, holy shit. So yeah, that, ah, it was so good. So yeah, those are um, some of my favorite moments so far. Okay, we got the fan. We got the on point stray names, like so on point. It's scary. Like who's naming these? Why are they not on our team? You know what I mean? Like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Let's get some folks out here who already have that nose. And I, I do like that, that it's more like, I really yeah. like when you have a, a strain and maybe it's in your garden, you're coaxing the, the like buttery toast smells out of it. And you're like, all right, now this is buttered toast. Instead of the other way around, we are like, okay, this is toast by butter. So we're going to call this buttery toast. And then it ends up just smelling like OG or whatever, you know? So I'm, I'm down when you take a little creative license and it sort of smells like the thing. I, I'm a fan. I mean, if we're just going to be making up straight names all willy-nilly, I mean, they might as well tell you something, give you a little hint. <laughs> yeah, right? Obama Kush? I don't know what that smells like. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my nose in the jar. Presidential. One thing I want to talk about, uh, about being kind of like spoiled right now is uh, this is not something we really got into because Amanda and I mostly celebrate flower. So you were here for like a, a weekend and we got into all the flour, but the uh, rosin and the other extracts and concentrates right now are insane. They're also like pretty affordable between like 30 and $60 a gram for really top shelf, really awesome rosin. Um, occasional full melt hits the shelves, but it's not something you see a lot of. Uh, but also a ton of the edibles and beverages are now being made with rosin. So instead of like a distillate gummy that you might have gotten a few years ago, now it's all being made with solventless hash, uh, which I, I think has a much better uh, effect. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about all, all of that. Like Oregon's got it really good right now. We just did the uh, concentrates issue for the Oregon leaf that's coming in July. The preview I got of the like 10 or 20 flavors that I got to see were all super impressive, you know, and even stuff that I don't really smoke a lot of anymore like the thca diamonds okay uh, there would be like four or five gigantic diamonds in this like tiny one gram container with just enough like tropical skittle sauce over them to give them like a little bit of flavor and i i totally recognize that those high thca products high thc products once you put them on the nail um are probably for people that just need relief and when you just need to take a monster dab and get just a little terp effect from it, but it's mostly just the cannabinoids, it's a pretty damn good option. Yeah, I'm going to have to 
up my tolerance and start dabbling in the concentrates for next time I come visit. Yeah, come back. We'll clean out the rig for you. I mean, the thing is, too, they caught my eye while we were shopping because they all have such fun packages. And like the names are so wacky and the packages are, they just, they're so eye catching that I found myself drawn to all these little boxes and stuff that normally I wouldn't be drawn to. And I barely looked at the beverage selection because I was so enamored being able to see all the flour and all the cool packages of stuff. Like it really draws you in. And I think that's kind of fun. You get to be like, hmm, well, all these things are going to get me high. So which one has the funnest name and which one do I want to try today? And then also everything was so affordable. So it's just like, ah, man, I really just was so, ah, so wowed by it. Um, so much selection. And I felt like there was a lot of dispensaries in Portland, like a lot, but they were all giving me such unique vibes that I never really felt like it was, I don't know, ruining the neighborhood. You know, they're all so different. So it still gives kind of each neighborhood a little vibe. Now we were mostly hanging out in Southeast. Uh, yeah, we were in Southeast and the Hollywood district. That's where we spent most of our time. Yeah. Okay. So highly recommend that's the spot to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, you can't go wrong if you're down in that central Southeast area. And uh, even I think if you end up downtown, I've been surprised at the couple of dispensaries I've just kind of like wandered into. It's, it's actually pretty good. So yeah. Hey, I, I encourage anybody come out here, play tourists for a week and get some food and smoke a lot of good weed and then hand it off to somebody on your way out. Okay. That's a point three, the food. Portland's food is fucking amazing. And the food truck thing, I mean, I've been to Portland before, so I knew about the food truck cities and little areas, but I forgot how delicious they are. I ate so many tacos while I was there, like $2 best ever street tacos. Um, it's a good opportunity to practice your Spanish and uh, have the workers respond to you in English. Um, but you know what? We try. <laughs> uh, no, Amanda is definitely pro traveler because we were across town. I had some meeting to go to. And then I reached out to her. She's all the way on the other side of town eating these tacos at this place that's called Brothers and does not have social media. And it's like, there's no tag in these guys. Uh, and they also throw down. It's so good. And I'm just like, yeah, you found like one of the best taco spots in the city. Um, so, hey, good work on all that. Yes, I have a knack for finding tacos. Um, <laughs> and they were two bucks a pop. And so I ended up getting like five, which everyone knows you can't eat five tacos. Like everyone knows but it was such a hot deal. Three is really a good number, guys. Just, just I know they're $2 each, but I promise you three tacos is enough tacos. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I, a few years ago, honestly, it was pretty hard to get a decent taco in Portland. And I think kind of some people saw that as a challenge and also like the birria movement came through and now it's like, all right, we can, we can go around and, and have a little taco tour next time as well. It's just so nice when you have the munchies to have a full meal for under $10, like really honestly, that's that's a nice afternoon. You know what I mean? You buy a pre-roll somewhere or you pick up a gram for four to ten dollars and then you walk over to the taco truck. You get a couple of tacos, 15 bucks all in. Your day is set. 
Like that's a nice day. You know, anyone who follows me on Instagram, it's all, all my whole thing is, is like little treats and affordable luxuries. That's the only thing that is like keeping me running. And that's why this place is so great. I go and eat my little $4 croissant. I smoke a $6 joint. I have like a great smash burger for lunch. And then like, you know, I'm back at my house playing in my garden. So it's pretty good just for like getting out and about around here. I, I still enjoy that about the city. I, yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, no, Amanda and I are talking about doing like a, a little Portlandy heat map or whatever. So if that sounds interesting to you, bug us about it because all we need is like a little more uh, motivation to put it together. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a really good time. We also hit up uh, Treehouse, which yes. is a favorite shop. The manager Will there was uh, kind of pointing out some good flavors for us not to be missed. That is where we picked up the cookie dog from Resin Ranchers. Right. Either before this episode or after this episode, we're dropping in our little mini tasting sesh that we did. So look forward to that one. I, I think that was honestly the standout flavor of everything we picked up while you were here. It was absolutely stunning. And it wasn't just about the flavor, the quality, the bud structure, just the aesthetic. You know, when you just see a nug and you're like, damn, damn, that's every, ah, I was like, whoa, I've seen pictures of the Resin Ranchers products, but like, it looks exactly the same when you buy it from the dispensary. Oh, yeah, yeah. I will say they do a really good job. Their packs aren't like bouncing around with a rep all over the state before they end up on shelves. You know what I mean? I think they work with some just a handful of dispensaries and they're like, okay, look, please take care of this for us, you know? Yes. Uh, Because that's the case all over town. And then, oh man, where was the, there was one more place that we're missing here. Great question. Just a stone, just dead air stoners thinking, oh no. We went to Archive, we went to Treehouse, went to Electric Lettuce, Oregon, and we Oregon. did. Okay, let's, let's put our, our middle song here. I'm going to look at my phone. We did only go to four. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? The vibe of going to more than four dispensaries was there because it was a plethora of good weed, good folks. Talk to a lot of bud tenders. I mean, that's kind of the good thing is I can go in and be like, hey, give me something with a lot of character and just hit the shelf. And they got me. Or we can go in and be like, hi, we've got this whole intelligence wheel. We're kind of on a scavenger hunt. Can you help us find something in the bakery category? And they'll, they'll get excited about that too. This is true. Or you could take my approach, which is walking in, immediately asking if you could take pictures of literally everything and insisting that you have a popular podcast and it's totally worth it. So there's um, the pseudo, pseudo-celebrity approach too. <laughs> yeah, Amanda has a way of immediately throwing the managers off by being like, hi, I'm Amanda. I'm going to videotape you. And they're like, uh, I don't I don't know if that's allowed. No, no, you were very polite to ask. I always ask for consent before I videotape anything. And only one place said no. 
So that's kind of nice. Right, right. And I think that that's just sort of indicative of how the regulations and the rules at these places are a little like, okay, we're not totally sure, but we know we have to follow the rules. Like I I've worked in a lot of dispensaries and um, metric and tracking everything and everything having to be on cameras is a real thing. If the power goes out and you lose feed, you have something like, I want to say, 40 minutes, it might be 14 minutes, I don't exactly remember, um, bef- to notify the regulators that you have lost some footage in your cameras. Um, so it's it's all pretty serious. And like I have seen dispensaries get monster fines and especially things like limit quantities. If we go in and the quantities, they can only sell us two ounces and the system shows that they sold us three, they... They are immediately audited. They get a fine. The dispensary owner gets a fine. The bud tender gets a fine. So I think everybody is just like, hey, we have to be super careful. No pictures. All of the ID has to scan on our thing or I'm in trouble. Um, and, you know, I don't want to fuck with anybody's license. So I get it. But it is kind of annoying. It's kind of silly. But I do get it, too. I mean, I don't think I've ever walked into a beer store and tried to take pictures of their beer selection either. So it's definitely... <laughs> A little weird for sure, um, but yeah. we're super nerds. It's what we do. I did learn some crazy stuff about this metric system that they're using on farms too um, when I dipped down to California, which is that a lot of it's by weight. And so like even let's say you planted like 10,000 clones and you only anticipate, you only end up using 5,000 for whatever reason. Um, you will do it by weight, not by numbers. So you have to weigh the clones and tell them how much weight you're disposing of, whether it's compost or fire, whatever system you're using to remove plant matter from your property. But it's all by weight. Can you imagine when you're working on a giant industrial farm with 6,000, 12,000 plants and you're doing all this stuff by freaking weight? Your clones? That's crazy. It's really wild. And you can do things like it can be, can be advantageous. Because there are there are ways to track plant numbers and there's ways to track plant weight. And so you can say, I have 17 ounces of seeds. And you do. And that's a lot of fuck 17 ounces of seeds. I mean, just go ahead and grow all the weed you want for the rest of your life. Um, so that's nice because in tracking, you're not keeping track of every individual seed, which, you know, in cannabis, hey, some of those seeds could be like $85 or more. That's just how seeds work sometimes. Um, and then tracking the plants, especially something that has water weight that changes by the moment, it changes for every fucking reason you can imagine. Cause the fans came on, cause the lights came on, cause the wind was blowing because it's two o'clock in the afternoon. So it is kind of crazy when they're harvesting and they're having to weigh every plant and it's a huge pain in the ass. And you know, so much of that water weight is going to be intentionally removed, um, so metric is a huge pain in my ass. I don't even work with it anymore, but it just drives everyone crazy. It's a company, I believe, out of Florida who has done an incredibly insane job of getting into almost every legal market and tracking their seeds to their sales. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. Are you planting any plants this year? I have my little autos going. Nice. And that's it. 
I, I, I have about 10 seeds. I think most of them have popped up. They're all just like in my planter boxes. So we'll see what happens, how big they get, if they annoy the neighbors. I will cull the males this year so I don't get yelled at by people. Nice. Should be good. I'm excited about it. Are you growing any plants yourself? You know what? I do work on the farm. I should make my way up there at some point and see how it's doing. But uh, I, in the past few years, I did put a plant on my balcony and I did get messages from my neighbors saying how funny they thought it was because I live on the 50th floor of a building. It's super windy. So like tomatoes, flowers, like it'll, you'll just get one wind and all the petals will get knocked off. So I, it's more just to look at, to have something nice and green outside the window. So this year, because I've been traveling so much, I think I'm not going to plant anything. And that's kind of sad, right? I don't know. I feel kind of bad. And, you know, I, I also, if you go back to our earlier episodes, often plant four plants in my parents' backyard. And I don't even know if I'm going to do that this year either. Oh, because really? I don't know. It's, it's like the timing is so hard because when I have to go harvest their plants, I'm usually working on the farm. And so last year I just left their plants and it was just like, I don't know, kind of gross. And I just ended up sort of, yeah, kind of gross, yeah. yeah, because like, I just didn't have the time to do it, but they look so pretty in peak season. So I'm like, I know midsummer, I'm going to regret this decision. Maybe if some clones find their way to me, I'll dig a little hole and I'll plant them. So <laughs> yeah, but usually at some point my friends go, Hey, I have too many plants in my backyard. Do you want a couple? And I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. Something that's like halfway along that you don't care about. I feel like those calls will start coming in. Everyone planted kind of late this season. So probably yes, but I, you know, I was gone for over a month um, on the West coast and I have quite a few house plants. And I just watered them before I left and decided only the strong would survive and hoped for the best. And you know what? None of them died. No casualties? There were no Oh, wow. You said this before you left. And then while you were here, you were even just like in a moment of contemplation being like, all my house plans are going to be dead when I get home. And so it's kind of cool. They're very resilient. I would honestly argue that some of them are thriving from the neglect. But I feel like balcony plants won't survive a month-long trip. And that's why I haven't. No, that's a little much. Yeah, probably not. Um, okay, so Portland. Well, I'm getting off topic here. Today's about Portland because it's like the greatest place on earth. <laughs> well, for weed, it might be. I, here, I, I love Portland. I've maybe said this on the podcast um, but I was I was on my like traveling phase. I was in Europe and then Thailand and I finished college and I went to ad school and I was like, all right, there's this girl I met in Costa Rica. She's over in Portland. I'm going to go scoop her up and then we're going to like move to Japan or something. And then we never left. Like I came here, I scooped the girl up and then we're just here. And it's the weed and the chocolate and the beer and I mean the coffee, of course, all of these things are keeping me firmly planted. And it's not like those things do not exist in, in other cities there. I mean, I feel like it's pretty awesome. Now I can go to any major city and get a really good espresso at a place that a coffee shop where I'm like happy to get a t-shirt and the beans and like they're doing a thing. And that wasn't always the case. Um, but it is kind of cool to be here in this unique moment where you said because Portland is still kind of built around like artists trying to struggle and it is still kind of cheap and all of the food carts exist because there's somebody being like, okay, I can scrape together $10,000 and get the pretty easy to get permits together here and start my restaurant. 
you know, my food cart and build a, build a following. And like Lardo started as this tiny food cart on like two wheels, making these porchetta sandwiches. And now there's like, I don't know, seven Lardos. You can go to one in the Cosmo in Vegas and get a sandwich there. So there, there are a lot of success stories born out of that model of like the person who literally cares about the food and is back there making something personal to them can give it to you in an affordable type under $20 situation and everybody benefits there. Um, and the, the same thing goes for weed, like the hyper competitiveness here. It, truly, it sucks because there are people undercutting others. And so that makes things really hard for farms right now. Um, but it also makes prices pretty cheap for the consumer. And you can, with some exceptions, find like really good products that you have a lot of confidence in. So it's because of all of these sort of factors, you're getting a lot of good for uh, not having to give up a whole lot. And the deli style is, is rad. You know, um, some of the uh, writers at the leaf think that the Mylar bag situation is the way to like really save weed and that you can be much more finely controlled over what goes in there and what gets sealed up and, and what's great. But I mean, I'm deli style till I die. I want them to wheel over the bucket of pickles and take the hammers or take the nails off the top and be like, yeah, check it out. Check out these pickles. As someone who never ever gets to try the weed or smell the weed or look at the weed before you buy it, it is insane to me that anyone would consider packaging products in Portland, in Oregon. I mean, Oregon across the board. Like, it actually makes it that you're getting something that you're going to want to leave with instead of opening your mystery jar at home and being disappointed. I think that's to me, the biggest problem here is you're, you go in and the bud tender says, oh, I recommend this one. I've tried all of these. This is the one. And if you trust them, you get it. But then you go home and you're disappointed because it's not what you thought it was going to look like. It's not what you thought it was going to taste like. And a couple times in Portland, a bud tender recommended something that we tried or we just smelled and we didn't love it. But then that was our choice to buy it in that moment anyway. So it's like, at least we got to see it. You know, there was things that people recommended that once I caught a whiff, I was like, mm -mm, that's not for me. I don't want that. Um, and I was able to do that. And I, I didn't have to spend the $40 and then come home and be disappointed, you know? So, ah, no, I want deli style everywhere. I do understand, you know, controlling the moisture, controlling the light. You know, if they're clear jars, you have the sunlight, you're you know, dealing with, but I mean, weed was stored in friggin' Ziploc bags in someone's dresser drawer for a thousand years. I'll take the hit. I'll enough bad weed that smelled like CK1 that now I'm just happy that someone has like a jar that I can get my nose into. Oh my God. Just the mere mention of CK1 just gave me like horror high school flashbacks. Can we talk about how I was up until like 3 a.m. last night reading the like, what is it, Fragrantica website of like perfume reviews? Um, just because these perfume nerds, um, as I was explaining to uh, my wife last night, they're not my people, but they're adjacent to my people. You know, anyone who's going to sit down and write 800 words on what a perfume smells like 
for no incentive other than like the other nerds on the forum might enjoy it. Like, yeah, I can get into that. I get into that too. I get all the emails from the flavor and fragrance people. And it's also because like, I feel very strongly that they're staying on top of trends in a bigger way than our industry is um, because they've been around for so much longer. And so I like to see what things are trending in the flavor industry. I like to see what things are trending in the smell industry. And of course there's going to be overlap. I'm glad you say that because this website is really excellent for trends and, and how they mutate or shift or repeat themselves. So, uh, on on each of these scents, on each of these perfumes on the site, uh, there is a, a trend line of how popular it was over the last like two years or since its release or whatever. So in the you can go and look at something that is uh, a strict summer scent, lime, coconut, and rum. Okay, something that is comprised of those flavors. And you'll see the way that it dips in the winter and goes back up every summer because that's that's the only time people care about that. Uh, and then you'll see something that uh, is kind of catching on and it has like a slow build. And then uh, like every year it just builds up and keeps going higher and higher. So it's really fun to go and, and see what these people are getting into. And I, I think like we're not taking cannabis as seriously as these folks are taking perfume. And that's cool. We'll get there. But it does kind of give me a glimpse on like what this can be like. And if we had similar sort of like data for things like Gorilla Glue and, you know, the things that I care about. I love that. I want that too. That sounds very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, man, it's so, uh, two of the top, um, like, forum posts are uh, scents that you like on a woman or scents that you like on a man. And I think, you know, that's that's pretty, um, well, let's, let's not focus on the fact that that's quite gendered because I think the... Uh, perfume world does think of things in terms of masculine and feminine. And that means a certain thing in that language. But I think it just shows how subjective everything is. Everyone thinks, Oh, I really like when people smell this green, fresh smell. That's really like attractive to me. And Oh no, I, I really don't like that. Like anything that smells like soap is a turnoff. And it, it just shows me how these people who care and think about smell their opinions range so widely that there's there's room for everybody. Interesting. That's why I think it's kind of neat to see what trends are happening because that's just like a, a large group of people jumping on and exploring and showing a preference, which I really am curious about. I mean, we've seen major trends in cannabis, but they had to be like big. And the best way to find out what's trending is honestly the growers. Because those guys need to sell their weed. They're on top of trends. All of the growers that I talk to are all like, this is what's selling right now. Purple. Anything that is colored purple, people are going crazy for. Purple isn't a flavor. It's not a smell. It's a look. We're moving into this like aesthetic of things. And if we think of aesthetics, what, four years ago when things were first popping off, the look was the tight trim little balls of indoor that everyone was selling. And it was like these shaved, completely shaved nugs popping off. And to me, I'm like, no, no, no. I like my outdoor. I like a little foxtailing. I like a little dynamic shaping to a nug. Um, but people were going crazy for the shaved little balls. 
Yeah, I mean, and it would usually be super dense. Um, for a while, I kind of thought is in the pejorative that that was like Cali style weed. Now I know better that there's, you know, uh, that was just like the wreck stuff that was getting attention on Instagram because you're right. That's what people were drawn to. But people who know the flower do appreciate something a little more character. And I think like the market has now reflected that. Right. I think so too. And you can see it in the advertising also, but the purple thing is really funny to me. I don't get, I honestly don't get it. And I know the first, maybe I'm just like, an old head in the industry here because I do remember the first time I saw a purple bud and broke it up and it was so freaking pretty and it looked so pretty in the paper and it was special. Mm -hmm. But that was like, I don't know, long enough ago that maybe I'm not so wowed. Yeah. You know, things just, people just like that full package and having a little hint of color when you're breaking it up is just kind of fun. Um, but I do like that. Like you said, like two years ago, so many of the breeders were like, okay, bring green weed back. Not everything needs to have a little bit of purple punch in its lineage just to give it some attractive qualities for the shelf. Like that should be low on our list because let's be real good. Weed just looks good. It doesn't need a little pop of extra color at, at all. Right. Same, same way that like people, you can have a fascination with orange wine, but you're not drinking it just because it's orange, you know? No, but speaking of orange, the orange hairs, and this is going to come up in one of our upcoming episodes here when we went through all of the weed together and looked at all the shapes of the flower and the smells. And we just really explored the aroma wheel and we explored the strains that we picked up. Um, there was that one, I can't remember which brand it was from, but it was like covered in hairs, just covered. Little update on that one. So, um, <laughs> we talked about it on the tasting episode because at that time it did not have a name, but it has since been named from the Deep Creek crew. It is, uh, Deep Creek folks. It is, um, Rip City Durban. And it is a Durban cross with another, it is Durban crossed with a Durban cross. I don't have it directly in front of me, but yeah, it's that super terpenoline dominant flavor we talked about on the tasting episode. Um, it, it tested at like 33%. It looks fucking wild, like seriously wild. It, it just, it looks untamed. Um, and it was really fun and uh, super flavorful smoke. I just saw that one hit the shelves like, few days ago so and you heard it here first folks this is where we're at the smoking spot had a sneak peek right there that's what i'm talking about though that nug was stunning hairs went out of fashion i think only because of the machine trimming that everyone jumped onto in the beginning and now yeah, we know that we're going back to the black market hand trimming everything everyone knows it looks better you know, and you lose those types of details when you set it through a machine that just tosses it around and fucks it up. And it's so nice to see some of these features coming back and being celebrated. That's what you want to see. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting because, um, you know, I was, I was writing about Durban for uh, Leafly there for a second or some Jack flavors. And so that's what I was kind of researching and smoking a lot of. And then I went and met uh, with my pals that work up at Eastwood Farms here, which I don't know if you got into any of their flower. 
but it, it's really fun, colorful, flavorful, trichome, laden flower. Um, they do things like the funnel cake, which is like elephant ears. And, uh, they're doing some, some fun flavors too, but all of their flavors, she just had like a jar with like a mix in it, um, was like striped purple calyxes, cookie looking, like you just kind of, I don't want to say generic because the flower is much better than that, but it just kind of had that look to it. And I, it just made me, um, first off self-conscious. I was like, oh, is my weed pretty enough? And then I was like, oh, hey, wait a minute. It's interesting that all of these flavors are kind of like in vogue right now. We have a lot of options. Um, I just want to let our Canadian listeners know that elephant ears are actually beaver tails. Oh, you call those beaver tails? Yeah. Oh, man, elephant ears, such a better name. I'm sorry. I'm going to be American centric on that. But yeah, there's a lot of elephants in America. Checks out. <laughs> Yeah. And anytime you see an elephant in America, it is, uh, it's a bummer. It's not, <laughs> not having a good time. Like, I'm sorry. You're so far from home, pal. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, so you, you got some, uh, some fun facts about Portland for us. If you want, uh, we have the deepest subway transit center in North America. Yeah. At the zoo, at the little, uh, the park there near the Arboretum, it's like 270 feet below the surface. Don't even ask me why they made it so deep there. Um, but yeah, I guess like subway nerds will come and travel here just to be like, huh, yeah, it is pretty deep. What? I, I mean, these are the fun facts you get. Yeah, yeah. stick with me as I smoke the rest of this joint and I, they will just casually pop up, by the way. Um, we have traditionally had the uh, the world's largest naked bike ride attendance, which is always great. 13,000 people rolling by with their butts out is, is always a good time. I'm just, I'm speechless. I, I meant cannabis facts, but um, these are great facts too, Ryan. You said Portland. I mean, when it comes to weed, I mean, I can go over the, how the regulations have shifted over the last 10 years, which is also slightly interesting and something I thought I would get into for this episode. This is a but weed podcast. So of course boring, I'm right? weed. No, I don't know. I want to give people a reason to come here and try the weed themselves. Oh, this is a deep station. Oh, I am enjoying my vacation, everyone. I will say the metro system was very um, comprehensive and very easy to navigate. It's based on a color system as well as a naming system. So for people like me who get really easily confused with maps, it was um, very pleasant. I rode from end to end while I was there. It took about three hours. Yeah, well, and we also try and do that thing where um, the cross streets are alphabetical. So you get the numbered streets. That's great. That and, was nice. You know, the offset alphabetical streets. So if I tell you, you know, 13th and Oak, you can kind of figure that out from where you're standing without having to get your phone out. Well, hey, I want to do more of these, like focus on an area. And it was great having you out and getting into the dispensaries. And let's be real, like we could have done like five times more eating and smoking in dispensary digging into. So maybe we will. And maybe we'll make something a little more comprehensive coming up. But uh, for now, I think it was a great time. And I think we've let people's appetite for coming out here if they care to. Oh, God. If we haven't convinced you at this point, I don't think I've ever hyped up a place so much. Like, I've been telling <laughs> everyone I know, like, 
leave Toronto, leave Canada, go to Portland, go see the weed scene there. Like, I am actually embarrassed at the state of things here compared to like the, they have fans in Portland. Like, what are we doing here? It's it's so much better there. And I don't know what else I could say to convince people. They have everything you could dream of and more in Portland. Do they ever call it Potlandia? Uh, yes. Uh, my friend, Matt Stangel was the editor of the Potland. Um, and I think they leaned into that one pretty heavily. Cause Holy fuck. That's what I've been calling it too. It's honestly, uh, I, I'm not even a crazy fan of Portland as a city in just overall, there's a lot of cool cities, but if you're in the weed game and this is something you're interested in, this is the place to go. For sure. I will say I did look up Airbnbs and they were very expensive. I have been looking at some Airbnbs locally as well. And uh, no, no, it's bad. The situation is bad. I think that there are some regulations um, restricting it. And also you have to be registered with the city and kick them at a little chunk of change. So it's one of those things that uh, on the up and up. Um, The good thing with... uh, you know, hey, it's not all roses. Like Portland is a little beat up right now. The houseless situation is like there are people that are really struggling on the streets. And if you're here, you're going to like feel that and see it because uh, all um, small amounts of drugs have been decriminalized. There's like open fentanyl use, like pretty much all over downtown. So you kind of have to recognize like, hey, it's in urban area it's a city like you will likely see like all walks of life when you're out here and right now because of the like current regulations it's a little like a little wilder than it has been traditionally and i only say that because now you can get some good deals on hotels forget the airbnb stuff there are some great places to stay downtown that are um like cheaper than they have been and so there's some really good spots um, I, I feel personally very safe downtown. So when I meet somebody on my travels, that's in line with the food cart behind me and they saw it on Netflix and they're very excited to eat here. And I recommend some places downtown and they go, I don't think I'm going to go down there. I just want to throw a little thing in there. Go down there. It's safe. The, the dispensaries down there are also great. Um, maybe we'll try and shout those out, shout them out on Instagram because all the names escape me except for somewhere was it called someday um the place with the vague name that i talked about on an episode or two ago um i just edited it i think it's called somewhere somewhere yes okay yeah if you end up somewhere you'll be happy with the weed selection um and other places too so anyway we'll shout out all of the baddest badass not bad the good dispensaries that we went to for sure also like anytime i travel to a city that has a lot of folks on the street I will just buy a pack of smokes. And when people are asking me, well, spare changing me, basically, I'll just be like, I don't have change, but would you like a cigarette? If I have change, always. I used to be a street musician, so I got to, you know, pay it forward. But like, for sure, a pack of smokes in your pocket is great when you're wandering the streets in a city. Cigarettes are great currency. Yeah, it's a great way to just say, here's what I got. Um, Passing out weed, always popular. That's another hot tip. Yeah, yeah, I think take Amanda's tips for moving through the world because she just rolls up with the proper ID most of the time, <laughs> hands out weed, has smokes just for people who need them. 
Um, and then it's like, yeah, no, it's all good. My friend's going to lend me their car for a week. It's like, really? I don't trust any of my friends with my car. You're like, no, 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 it's good. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I did want to thank my friend Scotty and his partner, Rebecca, because they housed me up the whole time I was in Portland and they did let me borrow their friggin' awesome truck. And Rebecca taught me how to make tortillas from scratch. Oh, dude, they are official sponsors of this episode. So yeah, yeah give them all the shouts out. Like, I know. Yeah, I met them for like two minutes and you could just tell they were great people from the get-go. And, and I want to say Scotty runs Flail Records, um, which is an awesome independent record label that's based out of Portland. Um, my band is on the label, so you can... If you love me, you can check out the music that they've, they're putting out, that he's put out for my band. And he's just been a really good friend over the years who's been based out of Portland for a long time. So I just appreciate him still being there and letting me flail his pad on and off for three weeks. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, everyone, come on out. Hit me up for recommendations. You know I love that kind of thing. And uh, Amanda as well for Toronto, like also a weed mecca that we will be visiting soon on a future episode. Yes. And maybe sooner than you think, because like you just said, we've been doing these location specific adventure episodes, smoking spots, if you will. And uh, I got an email today from a fan who's coming to Toronto and wanted a little adventure suggestions, places to go, dispensaries, spots to smoke. So like, Today was a good day. Today I got the email that was like, hey, I I live in Maryland. I'm coming to Toronto in a month. What do you recommend? So I'm going to have to put together, I don't know, something really super for, for this person to have a really good time here. And they said they've been following our adventures for quite a long time. So like, what an awesome compliment and motivation for us to keep on uh, spending all our money on plane tickets. <laughs> Yes. Well, and hey, just as far as like the people, places and things of weed, the smoking spot stuff, um, we're going to do a little more focus on people who have uh, essentially cool jobs in the industry. So if you're someone who is working in weed and you think like, honestly, what I get to do is pretty cool, like Amanda and I get to do, then um, give us a shout. We're going to be interviewing a handful of people. I think it would have really helped both of us to not just have to like forge these paths and uh, invent these jobs out of nothing. Um, so yeah, we'll expect more of that in the future too. Um, you know where to find us at the smoking spot at the dot smoking spot on Instagram. Amanda, where can we find you? Uh, I, my Insta is emerald.temple.living. Yeah. And I'm at the loud 100. You can find me there and ask us all the questions and let us know where the good tacos are that we haven't talked about. Also, Ryan, thank you so much for having me to your home in Portland and your wife and your family. They're so cute. And I just had such a fantastic time hanging out in person. So thank you. Yes. And hey, thank you for bringing me uh, weed. I appreciate that always. It is gone. I've smoked all of it. You know it. And um, please come back any anytime you know that I need a taco buddy that can smoke as much weed as I do. So uh open invitation let's say love it all right everybody um we will be back next week with even more smoking spot and uh hope to see you there send a matter work and a pain any wish let me bring you 
Or smoke it up, hold it down and don't ever stop Well you can always find your smoking spot Yeah, you can always find your smoking spot Smoking Spot fans, we're here to tell you about the newest launch from Centelligence Projects. Over the last year, we've created the Cannabis Aroma Wheel. It's a sensory tool designed to help connoisseurs take their knowledge to the next level. So whether you're a bud tender, dispensary owner, cultivator, or you just love the smell of weed, you can better appreciate the cannabis in front of you. Get your copy of the most detailed sensory tool built specifically for the cannabis industry and order your Cannabis Aroma Wheel today at IntelligenceProject.com.